Welcome to the Top Flight Podcast. We continue our Road to Moscow series, previewing all 32 teams for the 2018 World Cup in Russia. Esteban Bailey here with screenwriter and filmmaker Desi Pancham. Today we're going to be talking about Costa Rica. Costa Rica is one of the better teams CONCACAF has produced over the last few years. Their first ever World Cup was in Italia 1990, when they shocked the world by making it to the round of 16 after defeating Scotland and Sweden in the group stage. Czechoslovakia would eventually rout them, though, in the knockout match 4-1. But they returned to the World Cup in 2002 and 2006 with Costa Rican legend Paula Wanchope of Derby County fame leading the attack. While they did not get out of the group stage in either tournament, they were, there were some memorable moments, such as their 2-0 victory against China in 2002 and the opening match of the Germany 2006 World Cup when Wanchope scored a brace against the Germans in an entertaining 4-2 defeat. However, Costa Rica really made an impression on the world stage in 2014 at Brazil. They were drawn in possibly the hardest group of the tournament with former World Cup champions England, Italy, and Uruguay. Surprisingly, they beat Uruguay 3-1 and then beat Italy 1-0 to top the group. They finished the group off with a 0-0 draw to England, which cemented their undefeated status. They went on to play Greece in the round of 16 and won on penalties, even after playing a lot of the match with 10 men after an Oscar Duarte red card. They would go on to face the Netherlands in the quarterfinals and narrowly lose on penalties. But their performance at the tournament was incredible, and they are the only team from CONCACAF to have made the quarterfinals this decade, and the last one since the USA did it in 2002. For this tournament, they qualified in second place in the hexagonal, beating the United States twice on its way to qualification. People are now expecting something from this Costa Rica team, which is different from in previous tournaments. So Desi, can you tell me a little bit about this roster? Yeah, sure. Um, so first of all, you know, great to be on the podcast. Appreciate you having me. Uh, great to have some Costa Rica representation. Um, this is what I'll say about the roster. You know, so you go back to 2014, and there's actually very little turnover in fact if i'm not mistaken costa rica is somewhere within the top three or four in terms of average age of player um within the roster um within all 32 teams of the tournament in russia so um a lot of the starters from the i I would say about at least six or seven of the starters from 2014 are still on the roster today um other players from that costa rican team while they are not on while they haven't been called up uh, to the actual squad for the World Cup. They are still not even retired. No one's really actually retired uh, from the squad. So very little turnover, if anything. So that's actually that's actually probably would be one of their few advantages in the tournament, the fact that they have this consistency um, just in terms of the roster, in terms of the players. Where they lack in consistency, however, um, has been um, since the 2014 World Cup, uh, their coach, their manager. Um, obviously, Costa Rica and that... World Cup, you know, they were they were defense first, obviously, um, and you know, being able to go, able to uh, create a very, uh, very low kind of front line, being able to catch people off sides, um, and then go on for the uh, go on for the counterattack, and that was all organized by you know Jorge Luis Pinto, who you know very controversially after the 2014 World Cup, uh, ended up getting fired. Uh, because he was clashing with management at the time, they didn't trust him. They didn't give him the power they wanted, you know, and that's when you know the whole thing. As you mentioned, you know, legendary uh, Costa Rican striker Paulo Wanchope, you know, he's there for like a little while, and people, you know, they they want him uh, to be the attack, giving a more European feel 
to Costa Rica's attack, uh, you know, trying to transition finally from that defensive first team to an actual, like, you know, star-led attacking, interesting attacking team. You know, that didn't work out. Polo, Polo like, I don't know many, had, like, a crazy breakdown at, at a game. And uh, Ganza, if I was carry, was uh, shortly released after. And not only that, but, like, you know, the run of gold cups at that point, Costa Rica was doing very poorly, really, really under underwhelming. They had lost all of their form past that 2014 World Cup. Um, you know, then they got Oscar Ramirez, who, had, you know, so that's the thing, uh, getting into, you know, where the roster compares now and, and their style of play. Oscar Ramirez actually has implemented a very similar style to Jorge Luis Pinto from 2014. So defense first, you know, usually, uh, you know, they usually play something around a 4 5 one um, and so they're, you know, same thing with, you know, solid defense, you know, obviously they have Keller Navas, uh, they have, they have, you know, some veteran defenders and Giancarlo Gonzalez who plays for Bologna. Uh, they have, uh, Johnny Acosta, um, Kendall Watson, you know, in MLS, you know, so they have some, some decent defenders there. Um, and you know, they, they do well protecting at the back, you know, with Keller Navas's direction. And, you know, it's from there, that's kind of you know, all the question marks for Costa Rica have, you know, what can they do with their midfield? What can they do, you know, with the kind of, you know, dearth in, uh, in attacking talent, you know, they obviously have, they have creative midfielders, you know, and they have, they have their captain, Brian Weiss. They have, you know, um, Celso Borges, who, who plays for, who plays for now, uh, is actually co-vice captain for, um, now the recently relegated, uh, Deportivo La Coruña. Uh, you know, they have Cristiano Bolaños also in the MLS, and then they have people like Joel Campbell and Marco Reña. Um, but, you know, I, you know, after you get out from, like, the main roster, that's kind of where Costa Rica falls apart a little bit. They don't really have that much depth, and in terms of younger talent that they can lean on, um, there's not really anyone there uh, that, you know, can provide a much-needed boost to energy. You know, I think the most recent, like, younger player who's done well for them, showed some promises. Uh, Matarrita, who, as you know, us being NYCFC fans, you know, plays for NYCFC. Um, great win back. Uh, but, you know, after that, that's, that's so, you know, they're kind of limited in attack. So, you know, in terms of, like, what to expect from them, I'd say something comparably similar to 2014 in terms of the style of play. Uh, but in terms of the actual defensive organization, I don't even think... They're the, as good as they were in 2014, despite the little roster turnover, despite the, the similar style of play. Um, there seems to, even with their defense, they're, you know, watching through through the, the, the hats, through qualifying in general, uh, There's there always seems to be a lack of communication at some point, usually from the defensive mid uh, to defense to Kaler. Yeah, like the shielding you know, of the back line is not as uh, great as it was in 2014. No, ex- exactly, exactly. It's 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 and it's terrible because it's like you you can see that they that they want to catch people off sides, but they're not. They're just not as committed with Jorge, with Jorge Luis Pinto. That's what they were doing. It was very very simple, you know, catch these people offside. You know, give them possession, give them possession, and then we're gonna work. We're gonna work from the middle using our midfielders like Cristiano Bolaños, like Sosa Borges. Uh, we're gonna create from the middle, and then we're gonna we're gonna get these we're gonna get these easy goals. We're gonna get these set piece goals like they did with against Italy in that one zero victory with Brian Ruiz. Yeah, header. It was great header, uh, a great header from Ruiz. Gr- yeah, great. I was surprised. I didn't you know I didn't think that went in. 
you know, Brian Williams was smiling, and I was like, Brian, turn around. I don't know if that went in, but it went in, you know. Yeah, you know, I actually want to talk a little bit about uh, a player that's been kind of forgotten for the last four years uh, is Joel Campbell. He was kind of a hero of that 2014 squad. He scored goals against Uruguay. Uh, I'm pretty sure, I think he had a brace against Uruguay in that game. Um, yes. he, was, uh, he was a really special player at that tournament. He kind of led the team in the attack. But there are question marks of whether he's actually going to start uh, for this Costa Rica team and what position he would be best in because it seems that Ruiz wants to play in the right side of a of an attack or either as a midfielder or as a forward. Um, you've got Ureña who plays for LAFC now or one of the MLS sure. teams and he's a you know he's a striker. He's a little inconsistent as a striker, but it seems like in the past few qualifiers and some of the friendlies, he's been leading the line. What do you think about uh, Joel Campbell for this tournament? Can he repeat uh, his performances or what do you, what do you think? Well, you know, I'm so happy. You obviously know, you know, we're both Arsenal fans. I, I, I can't ever stop talking about Joe Campbell ever. I love him to death. Um, so, you know, I think, I think, you know, when it comes down to Costa Rica and, you know, given like their group and, um, you know, just the, just, you know, those question marks about like, you know, attacking it in midfield in general, uh, but more so the attacked actual forwards. I think Joel Campbell, along with Marco Orreña, are the X factors for Costa Rica if they haven't. Um, Marco Orreña, just you know, before I get to Joel Campbell, you know he has he has been in better form lately. You know, I'm always surprised to find out that he's he's not even. I think he's like maybe as old as 29 years old right now. Um, the fact you know that he he still actually had potential to get better. What's funny is with Marco is that um, you know I think every single time I've watched Costa Rica play. It's always a commentator about to say something like, you know, Marco's fast, like, you know, he has the pace, he can get behind the defense, you know, he's tricky. But, you know, he's not clinical in front of goal, and I swear to God, every single time I hear that, he just scores a goal. Yeah, it's really um, annoying, it's, especially against the United States. He seems to have a tendency to score against them. Yeah, well, you know, and I just, you know, it could be, you know, obviously, Costa Rica, United States, there's a history there, CONCACAF in general, but... Marco Reina, in my eyes, has actually become more clinical. Thank God, you know he's our striker. Um, you know the same thing with him. So the him with him and Joel Campbell is that they both, you know, they both had interesting seasons. I mean, the MLS season is still going on. He plays for LA. Uh, Marco Reina, he I believe he got like a he had a fracture, something in his face. Yeah, wasn't it an and orbital bone like Mike Conley? It, yes, exactly the same one. Um, and he, but he, you know, he came back. He has to shake off. He still has to shake off some rust. Um, he hasn't been getting as many minutes as he was before. But before that, he was in pretty decent form. Um, and you know, keeping in this momentum of the fact that he's actually not only not only is he doing better in front of goal, he's actually been getting more involved in build-up play. And you know, I'll let that you know transition me into Joel Campbell. Joel Campbell, I think, is you know. I think Brian Ruiz is the most consistent, along with Kelly Navas, of course. But I think Joel Campbell is, for me, will always be one of the most important players, just just in terms of you know, just in terms of the actual squad and the Costa Rica as a nation in general. Because he's 25 years old, he's been a prodigy, a prodigy since you know he was younger for Costa Rica, being able to you know, with people saying like, oh, he's going to lead this generation. You know, Costa Rica, given its age, you know, they're kind of on their last legs of this golden generation. They don't really have much after this in terms of players in their prime. Uh, players like Kaylor, Celso, Borges, uh, Kaylor Navas. Um, yeah, Brian Ruiz, you know, all those guys. Yeah, it does seem like this might be uh, Costa Rica. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah, this is the last one. So with Joel, you know, he's 25 years old. He's in his prime, just starting his prime. You know, I think the thing is with Costa Rica is that they're they're missing. They've always kind of missed it. They've missed a traditional center forward. Uh, Joel obviously likes to play on the right. He can play on the left. He's left-footed. 
but he's always shown versatility on both sides. I've, oh, you know, I'm one to think that you know before Joel has ever gotten a chance to really show what he's capable of either you know whether it was Wenger and Arsenal you know cutting his man short because he didn't you know maybe he didn't believe in him or maybe he saw his limitations or especially with in terms of giving up possession and whatnot um he's always been capable he's always had a motor um he's always gone back and worked hard back on defense and you know what I've seen now in his limited time in Betis because unfortunately he had an injury that had him out for a very long time he only came back within the last three or four weeks of the season um his his ability to actually provide something in the build-up has been, like I said, it's always it's only glimpses you get with George Gamble just because of other inconsistencies. But he really when he has when he has his flashes, man, he's on. George Campbell is on. Yeah, he's clearly he's he has the potential to be a world-class player, and he's going to have to be a world-class player in order to get out of this difficult group. I actually want to talk uh, before before I let you go. I want to talk a little bit about uh, expectations for this team. I mean, they're going to be in Group E with uh, Brazil, Switzerland, and Serbia, uh, which is, that's a hard group. I mean, you know, Costa Rica did get out of the 2014 group, which I guess you could say was harder, but, you know, you've mentioned it. This is not necessarily the same. It's the same squad, but it's not necessarily the same team when it comes to style or maybe even belief. But I want to ask you, what do you think is the realistic point total that uh, Costa Rica can, can get from this group? Listen, man, you never want to, you know, in terms of something like this, you never want to have to try to believe in intangibles. But I think, you know, I think if, if, if Costa Rica, you know, I'll just start off by saying, if Costa Rica wants to get more than one point, they're going to have to really rely on those intangibles of people like Marco Reina, Joe Campbell showing up, coming to play, somehow working, Oscar Romero, somehow working both Joe Campbell and Marco Reina within the game at the same time, Joe Campbell getting involved in to play Marco Reina as the striker rather than just putting Joel as the striker and letting him die for any any single ball. Uh, it's unfortunate because, you know, Serbia does have talent. Um, you know, uh, Switzerland obviously has talent. Switzerland did very well qualifying Serbia as well. I mean, Serbia just got Wales, you know. It's, um, it's tricky because, you know, Costa Rica has the talent. I don't really think they have a manager. I, I, I think after, you know, I think, Costa Rica might flounder in this tournament very early on. I think Oscar Romia is going to get fired after. So my expectations for Costa Rica unfortunately aren't that high, especially when I start off by saying like it all really depends on intangibles. Ideally, you know, six points would be great. Obviously, losing to Brazil, maybe hopefully winning against Switzerland and Serbia. But if you really ask me what I think about how they're going to do, uh, somewhere within the one to three point range, you know, maybe. I think I think they definitely lose to Switzerland. I think they can tie Serbia, but Serbia is very physical. Serbia has a great Serbia has one of the you listen, Serbia has one of the most underrated midfield. Oh, I, I know. We did a preview on Serbia and we you know, we came across how talented that Serbian team is and it could be kind of a that's why it makes it such a tough group because they do have a lot of talented players like Matic and uh uh, Ivanovic and uh, a bunch of other players. I mean, they're really good, Mitrovic. But uh, so you say one to three points. Um, you think that they could get a draw against Serbia or maybe even beat Serbia, but you don't expect them to do anything against Brazil or Switzerland, I'm assuming. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, yes, but I, I think I expect Serbia to do better than Switzerland. If I think there's going to be a team that qualifies in second, I think it's actually going to be Serbia. Um, but Sw- I do... You know, like I said, it really it's really on the intangibles. Like you know, Switzerland has 
um, a great defensive mid, in my opinion. I, he, he, is, he at least plays better for Switzerland than he does in Arsenal or against his league and Xhaka. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I think uh, Costa Rica will have trouble getting past him and just, I, you know, the problem is like scoring. You know, they do have Xhaka can hit from long range. They have Shakiri. They were able to qualify with as many points as Portugal. Um, you know, I think I don't think Costa Rica with their manager is able to do something against that. You know, with the, the intangibles, you go with, like, chips on the shoulder. This is the chance that Joel Campbell needs to show people that he's relevant again, you know, show that, to prove that he was he was deserving to be an Arsenal, that he uh, that he's actually a decent player on Betis. Um, but if you had to ask me what the ideal point range is, I'd say one to three points. Ideally, you know, five or six would yeah, be great. to get to the second round. To so, you know, let, let's assume that they do actually get to the second round. Like, let's say Costa Rica does the impossible again and they're actually able to uh, progress. Uh, they'll likely play Germany in the second round. You think they're they're done at the round of 16, right? Well, okay. Well, I mean, here's the thing. So, you know, they make it to the round of 16. Uh, that obviously means the intangibles we're talking about, they panned out, right? You know, so how, the, how do they get there in the first place? Um, yeah, I think if it's Germany, I think they get. I think they get. I think they get the crap beat out of them. Um, I think Kaler will put in a shift for sure. And at the point when they're playing a team like Germany, um, they'll definitely, definitely try to to shrink inside. Uh, probably adding even an, another another center back. Uh, I'm interested in see what they would do there. I, it, I, that's going to be an ugly game if that game happens. It's gonna be it's gonna be Germany trying to pounce all over Kaler and Costa Rica trying their best not to get any red cards and not trying to uh, not trying to concede at all. But I think even then, I, I think as soon as Germany scores a goal, I think all hell breaks loose at that point. Now you yeah. know that's Germany. I think if Costa Rica ends up matching up with Mexico in a potential round of sixteen matchup, uh, I think then just because of the history of that, though Mexico squad is particularly good this year, and and just all around just in terms of the uh, the age just a great balance um in terms of young talent versus veterans um i think there's i think they could do something there just because they 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 tend to have even though their recent games against mexico haven't been great they always stay competitive they did have that 2-2 draw at costa rica recently even though they also lost 2-0 at the azteca but everyone knows how hard that stadium is i think i think they put in a real shift against mexico if that matchup happens and i think they could just because of the defense, I think they could take that game. But I think that goes. I think that I honestly think that game goes to extra time if that happens. Yeah, that would make sense. You know what? I I I'm, I think I think Costa Rica could do well this tournament. I'm I'm gonna believe in them because I didn't believe in them last time and I was proven wrong. They have shown me a lot of things in qualification. I think they're a good team. We'll see what happens, but I'm rooting for Costa Rica. Go the Ticos. They're fun. I hope uh, Joe Campbell can come back and then kick. Wenger in the face for not letting him play that much, but uh, man, I, I love you for that. You know, like despite everything I'm saying, you know, you know, I want Costa Rica to do well. They're my super yeah, I know, man. You're you're a Costa Rica yeah. super fan. We know that uh, you've you've proven to us that you're you're in for this team, even if you don't have high expectations. But you know what? That's why we got to play the we got to play the game and see what happens. So that's our preview of Costa Rica. Plenty more previews to come. Plenty more teams to talk about as we continue our road to Moscow on the Top Flight Podcast.